Hello and welcome to CityCast, where we aim to keep you informed and updated on all things City of Rock Hill. I'm Ashley Studebaker, alongside co-host Matthew Cray here, and today we have Miguel Rulon with us. Miguel does a little bit of everything, so thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. I'm happy to. <laughs> we will get into the logistics of all that you do, specifically the international center of York County. Um, but first, we like to get to know our guests a little bit more personally, so we're going to have a speed round of questions. These are fun questions. Oh, These okay. are no pressure. Fun. No pressure. I'm a little scared. Okay, go okay. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. All right, ready? We're ready. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A veterinarian. A veterinarian? Okay. Favorite animal? Dogs. Dogs. Do you have a dog? I have two. What kind? Um, <laughs> I have a six-pound uh, chihuahua named, ah. named Bear, and <laughs> I have a um, terrier mix who's a terrier, terror, and her name is Biscuit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. ah, I like that one. Coolest place you've ever visited? Oh, wow. You know what? Um, one of my favorite trips, actually, uh, was San Antonio, Texas. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. What was your favorite part about that trip? Uh, the river walk. Mm. Uh, I love Mexican food, the culture. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Do you like cookies? I do. What's your favorite type of cookie? Um, oh, that's hard. I would say, <laughs> can I choose two? Sure, I would sure. say uh, coconut macaroon. Oh. And um, a good old plain American chocolate chip chocolate cookie. Chip. And yeah. that's time. Oh, yeah. man. I know. Yeah. That was fast. All right. I have one more additional question. I'm a little bit more uh, out there when it comes to these fun questions. But if, okay. if you could ride a sea animal, which animal would you choose to ride? This, this is assuming that it won't eat you. You're not in danger. So you can pick a dangerous one if you want. But any sea animal, if you could ride it like a horse. Well... For those of you who don't know me, I'm a big guy. I'm six five and a half, and uh, about four hundred pounds. So I'd have to be a substantial animal. So I would say maybe an orca, okay, <laughs> <laughs> or a killer whale. It. Yeah, that's good. And that's I'm good. from Orlando, so you know. Oh, okay. I grew up going to SeaWorld, and I used to love watching the, the shows. What I loved, um, I I went to SeaWorld when I was a little Shamu. That's yeah, the whale. Shamu. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Man, how powerful would you be if you just rode up on an orca? To the beach, just waving at everyone. It, it would be uh, although, pretty awesome, although yeah. probably very dangerous, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a segue into getting to know a little bit more of what you do as far as just your, your jobs and everything. Sure. Um, and I did mention the International Center of York County. Can you give us a description? What is the What is that? The International Center of York County, it's a 501c nonprofit organization, um, and uh, our mission is really to empower in, uh, folks in the international community that reside in York County and uh, offering referral services and uh, translation and interpretation services um, and really connecting people to resources. We're basically a 100% a resource um, organization. And what is it that you do for them along with what you do for the city of Rock Hill? Uh, well, I came to the city 10 years ago as of last Monday. It was my 10th year oh, anniversary. anniversary. Um, and the first department I worked at here at the city was in human resources. So I was in human resource, resources for 
uh, six years, and part of my responsibility was the management of the International Center of York County as the executive director. Um, and so my job, I wear a couple of hats, and the one I'm wearing with the ICYC, you know, I run the day-to-day -day operations. It's a, basically, it's a one-man operation, and we do have a board. Um, but, uh, you know, we work to connect folks to services, so I get on a daily basis, you know, sometimes a dozen, sometimes two dozen calls, people wanting to connect to, you know, medical services, legal uh, services, food, housing, a whole host of things, um, educational issues that they might have or um, different issues that they don't know where to go. And most of those calls for help actually aren't coming from um, the client or the resident themselves. It's coming from other organizations that you know, are stumped or um, are needing to, you know, find a way to connect resources to, you know, families. What are some of the different resources that the ICYC offers? So we do offer free interpretation and translation to, um, to folks. Um, I'm a native Spanish speaker. Um, and I've served uh, as an interpreter and uh, translator for well, about 20 years here at the city. Part of my responsibilities in uh, HR is I served as the uh, court interpreter here at the city court and uh, offered uh, interpretation uh, assistance uh, for the Rock Hill Police Department, for the victim's advocates. Um, not doing that. Uh, officially at this point in the last year or so. Um, they're using other services, but uh, during the pandemic, they started calling on me again because, you know, they, unfortunately, some of the folks that were interpreting for them couldn't make it uh, because of, you know, COVID and protocols and whatnot. So I was able to come out and see a lot of old friends back in the police department and help out. But uh, mainly, to get back to your question, is offering interpreting, uh, interpretation, translations, um, and connecting folks to a whole host of things, uh, and particularly with COVID, you know, uh, assistance and finding uh, resources for food, shelter, um, rental assistance, utility assistance, that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, where are you originally from? I was born in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Okay. And uh, I was there all of eight months. And then my family uh, moved to uh, the Quad Cities in, in Illinois. So I grew up in the Quad Cities and on the Illinois-Iowa border. So how did you go from Puerto Rico, or did you say the Dominican? Which one? No, uh, Puerto Rico. Por how did you go from Puerto Rico to Illinois to Rock Hill? <laughs> okay, so uh, my dad, uh, the his family, um, and back then in the 50s and whatnot, uh, a lot of the you know families that had were a little bit better you know off would send their kids off to the school either in Europe or in the states and my dad went to a military high school in Champlain Illinois so he knew it well and um, he wanted to come back to Illinois for whatever reason <clears throat> and by that time I was uh, child number five and he, he bought some gas stations and started businesses in Illinois and we were there until I was about <clears throat> seven or eight and my mom said that she could not take another winter and we had gone to <laughs> Walt Disney World when almost when they first opened. It was in the in I think early eighties. Mm -hmm. They had opened in the seventies. And my mom fell in love and she had been after my dad for like three years to move to Orlando and he finally acquiesced and sold everything and we moved to Orlando. Yeah. And so 
Orlando to Rock Hill. Orlando to Rock Hill. the dots. <laughs> so um, I knew someone here in town, um, and uh, I was working in a law firm in Orlando for about a decade or so, a little over a decade. And for some reason, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to change. I liked Rock Hill. I had visited twice, been up to the mountains, stayed with a friend here. And um, I thought it was beautiful. I like people. I was really surprised that people would say hello to you randomly and they didn't know you. I'm like, <laughs> what is going <laughs> on? Southern has uh, Yeah, and people were just like super friendly. And I, I'm like, wow, this is like Mayberry. This is like too good to be true. Um, and then my second trip, that kind of cemented it. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to maybe think about moving into the Carolinas. And one day during my lunch hour at the law firm, I went on the city's website and I saw this position open um, in HR. Um, back then, my position was as uh, the Hispanic community liaison for the city. And uh, I put in an application and I got a, a call back. I think it was that day or the next day. Oh, wow. Um, it was pretty quick. Um, and within a week, I had driven up and stayed, you know, for the weekend. I interviewed on a Friday, um, and the interview was very long. It was a panel interview, and it went really well, and we were just chatting, and, um, you know, that Monday on my way to work, um, I got an email with an offer letter, and, wow. and I was I was ready to, to move and to start a new adventure, and it's been a great time here. You know, the 10 years that I've been here, I've been here my entire 40s, has been phenomenal. I've really enjoyed living here. So, so are you at the point now where you say hello to the strangers on the street, I or are am, you just still excited that they do? Yeah. <laughs> so, I've I think I've you know adopted the the southern way of life, and hmm. you know when I visit <laughs> friends and family or call for that matter, they're like, oh my god, you use a lot of you know southern euphemisms <laughs> and like saying and slang. Y'all. I say y'all a lot. <laughs> Um, and uh, it's funny. It's just, and I do say hello to everyone. And uh, last time I was back home in Orlando, my sister was like, "People are gonna think you're crazy. Stop that." Um, <laughs> don't talk to strangers. No, no. But and that's one of the things I love. It's kind of become second nature here, so I don't notice it much. But when I'm out yeah. and I'm in Orlando or another city, and, you know, I just went to Cleveland, not just, but two years ago before COVID hit for a conference. And it was so noticeable that people just walk by you and they don't say hello. It's, <laughs> so it, it, when you're out of the, this element, you 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 really appreciate how mm. good we have it here. Do you go back home to Puerto Rico often, or? <laughs> so that's funny. I'm the only one in my family who has not been back since mm. I was oh, like wow. 12 years old. Okay. And so I'm planning. Uh, you know, I was planning a trip back when COVID hit, and so I've kind of replanned um, mm-hmm. to go back in 2022 in the spring. Okay for about two weeks and um, I'm crossing my fingers that you know that everything pans out uh, because it'll be 35 years it's kind of embarrassing to say but I haven't been back every time I have vacation I I like to explore new places and see new things so continuing to connect the dots just not so necessarily geographically but how did you begin your work with the ICYC well as I said earlier it was part of my um, work duties here at the city in HR and um, it you know I it was an interesting uh, foray into the nonprofit world because I had really never run a nonprofit. Um, it my toughest challenge was really um, building building a 
relationship with the community I was serving. Um, the majority of the, the folks that I was working with at the time um, were from different parts of you know South and Central America. And in Orlando, it, there is a large Hispanic population, but it's mostly Caribbean folks, so people from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico, um, uh, Cuba. So it's very different culturally. So there was a lot of... Uh, there's a big learning curve for me to, to learn how to maneuver. And some of, you know, we speak the same language, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of slang. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there was, I would struggle to understand what they were trying to tell me. I'll never forget um, uh, the story where I, I had a client who called to make an appointment because he needed some referral assistance and some other advice. And uh, so he said that he was, to me, I thought he said he was coming later because, um, in every other part of the Latin American world, ahorita means later. Uh -huh. But apparently I learned through this experience that ahorita in Mexico means now. Mm. So I left and I went to lunch. <laughs> so oh. I came back an hour later and he was there and he was fuming mad and I didn't understand why he was upset. He said, I said I was coming um, ahorita. And I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. So I went to lunch and he's like, you know, and then I understood. Right. I, yeah. So things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, and uh, so it's, it's been uh, an adventure in a, in, in a sense, and I've grown to, to love the people I work with and um, how to see how diverse, you know, because, you know, when we use the word Hispanic, where it's kind of like a blanket statement for all mm -hmm. folks who speak Spanish um, and that come from different parts of Central, South and, and the Caribbean um, Spanish speaking countries. But culturally, people are so diverse and different. Um, and it's been phenomenal for me to have the opportunity to learn about um, so many different cultures um, through my work, and it's really enjoyable. I love the people uh, I get to serve and to assist. Now, let's localize this a little bit. What is, what is the international and Hispanic population here in Rock Hill in York County? Um, it's larger. I think the recent uh, census uh, data came out, I, I and I was... Uh, I should have looked at it so I could give you a more accurate picture of what it looks like, but it has grown exponentially in the time that I've been here. Um, the majority of the folks that I serviced when I first came here in Rock Hill, the first four to five years, I would say that about a good 80% of them were from Mexico, and in particular two Mexican states, from the state of Veracruz and um, uh, its neighboring uh, state, um, and so in in Mexico too, there's so many so many regional differences depending on which Mexican state someone's from. Um, but over the years, we've seen more migration from uh, Hispanic families that have been in the states generationally from different parts of the north. Um, you know, from New York, uh, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, and so we have a lot of folks that are, you know, coming in from those parts of the country. Um, also, uh, a lot of folks from uh, Central America in particular. So, um, you know, Honduras, El Salvador, mm -hmm. Costa Rica. Yeah. This may be a naive question, mm -hmm. and maybe I know mm -hmm. the answer already, but what brings those people here? Is it just America in general, or is it the South, or is it South Carolina? I think uh, for anyone, I think anyone's uh, migration story, and I see migration as personally, you know, 
you could be from Kentucky and you've moved to, you know, um, South Carolina or North Carolina, uh, people usually move for opportunity for mm-hmm. or life experience or quality of life. So, you know, same thing that brings me to Rock Hill would bring um, an immigrant family here. Um, uh, we have seen a lot of folks from different parts of Asia recently. So we have um, a larger number of uh, families from Burma, so Burmese, Vietnamese, Hmong um, that are here, a lot of Nepalese, um, and in particular after uh, the earthquake in Nepal uh, a couple of years ago, we had a lot of uh, folks that um, came in, and then we have a lot of industry here that employs them, like the, you know, Ross mm-hmm. and, and whatnot in the area. So, um, yeah, it's opportunity always brings people and, and encourages migration. Yeah. So, uh, spinning off of local, what are some more local opportunities um, are there here for the Hispanic community? Um, you know, uh, opportunities as far as like work and that kind of thing. Uh, yes. yeah. So, um, a lot of families, uh, you know, uh, work in either construction or in agriculture. So, mainly you'll see folks who are working. Um, jobs in migra- that are migrating here, um, depending on what their skill set is or educational level when they come into the States, um, will often work in, in, in jobs that are more physical. So you'll see a lot of people working in, in um, definitely construction and agriculture. So you said you wear a couple different hats. Yes. Um, so what's a day look like for you as far as, you know, a lot of translate? I know our department uses you a lot for yes, translation. Yeah. So um, how busy are you? What's your day look like? I'm pretty busy. So um, as as I run two nonprofits, actually. So okay. I run the International Center of York County. And um, under the International Center, which is, is the parent um, agency for York County Safe Kids, which is um, another nonprofit that uh, works to educate the public, um, in particular parents, caregivers, and educators, and children themselves on preventable injury uh, for children between, um, well, from birth up to the age of 19. Um, and uh, we do a whole host of things there. We. Uh, assist people. I'm a car seat technician, so I've been, um, uh, actually I'm a proxy, so um, I uh, can install a car seat, uh, teach parents about um, proper car seat installation. Uh, We cover uh, drowning prevention. We actually have two uh, loaner boards at, we have one at the Buster Boyd Bridge, um, and we have another one in Ebenezer Park. So if you ever go out there and you see these boards that have life fests on those, that's my agency. I actually personally go out, and I just got a grant, so I have new life fests, and that's something I'll be doing this weekend is putting out new life fests. Mm-hmm. So if people are using our waterways, and for some reason, you know, um, an adult or um, a teen or an infant doesn't have a life vest, they can borrow one and then put it back on the board. So um, we want to prevent any kind of injury uh, pertaining to, you know, guns, um, water safety, car seat safety. Yeah. And uh, our new realm is uh, sleep hygiene uh, or safe sleep for infants. So we talk to parents and we educate them about safe sleep. Um, making sure that they're not co-sleeping with their children, that the children have a hygienic place to sleep, meaning, you know, 
back in when I was an infant, parents used to decorate the crib, and there was tons of, you know, uh, stuffed animals and bumpers, and that's not safe. Um, usually, you know, that can cause injury, and unfortunately, the majority of infant mortality happens uh, through suffocation. So we teach parents about that. We have grants. Right now we have one where we could, um, if people income qualify, we have pack and plays mm -hmm. that they could have. So if they don't have a crib or a safe place to have their child sleep, they could um, apply and we can um, provide. And this is for anyone? For anyone okay. in, in York County. So okay. we service uh, York, Lancaster, and Chester okay. through the um, Safe Kids York County. Um, and we also have car seats. So if someone is in need of a car seat um, and it can't afford one, we could income qualify them. Uh, you know, if maybe they have a car seat, but it's expired. A lot of people don't know a car seat's expired. Right. Uh, yeah. Usually seven years. Uh, if you've been in an accident, um, you should replace your car seat because what's, you know, other than the harness that keeps a child from becoming a projectile, the actual shell of the car seat is made to absorb that negative energy from an impact. So um, there's a lot that I do. So I do my, like this morning, I was working some things with the ICYC because I had some clients that were um, unfortunately victims of a, a scam. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, a lady forked over $40,000 of her savings wow. to mm -hmm. what she thought she was buying a home. Oh. Turned out that uh, the person, um, didn't own the home and what he did was rent a home to her with a $40,000 down payment. So we're working on that and connecting her to legal services, to law enforcement. So that's part of my morning. Um, working um, with a nurse in the area to get her a pack and play and a car seat for an expectant mother that um, uh, you know is living below means and can't afford those things. Um, and also I work in neighborhood services and you know, I am one of uh, five employees in the neighborhood uh, uh, services under neighborhood empowerment division of our department. And I work uh, with different neighborhoods. I liaise with neighborhoods to help connect them with different city services um, and represent them at their neighborhood meetings and make sure that they um, have access to all that we have to offer here at the city. Now, the, the story about the pack and play and the story about the scam, I feel like mm -hmm. for the average person listening, those are really tangible things that they can relate to. Yeah. Is there a story that sticks out to you from your time here that an example you could walk us through from beginning to end where someone came to you and said, hey, I need help, and you were able to bridge that gap? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, with, uh, with any uh, immigrant story, uh, a lot, a big part of some of that immigrant story for a lot of folks, that experience is falling victim to crime. And sometimes people are afraid to report crime because perhaps, you know, their country of origin, there was a lot of corruption in law enforcement. So they have, they've brought that mistrust of law enforcement with them. Um, when I first started here at the city, I had an office at what was the Family Resource Center. On, on Black Street uh, and Orange, which is now, has been torn down and, and is now the new school district, Rock Hill School District building. Okay. Um, and uh, so my office there, there was a medical clinic that was uh, um, operated um, for a long time for families. And we had a lot of international folks come to that. It was a free clinic that has now 
uh, been absorbed and is now part of Affinity Healthcare. Okay. Um, so, it, you know, a lot of people would make appointments. They'd come in, um, and then they'd come into my office because they'd, you know, speak with the doctors there or the nurses and explain things that were happening to them. And then one that, you know, it lives with me, I think I'll take it for the rest of my life. This story is uh, I had one of the nurses come into my office and said, hey, there's this young girl. She's about 14 years old. And um, something's off. The person that brought her in is saying that she's her aunt. But there's a sadness to her, and, and I just, something's heavy. Do you mind speaking with her and her aunt and just telling them about the services you offer and whatnot? And um, I was, okay, yeah, bring them in. I had some free time. And, you know, her aunt, the person who was passing herself off as her aunt, turned out, and the young child came in, and we, we were talking, and I noticed the same thing. There was a lot of body language. You could tell that this this child was uncomfortable. Um, and one of the nurses or assistants that came in, interpreters at the clinic came in, and, um, uh, you know, she offered the lady some coffee, and they went away. And basically that was an opportunity to give me, you know, and I, and I, I spoke with the young lady, and I said, are you okay? She started crying. One thing is she passed me a note with her number, and uh, I gave it to the nurse who called her. And it turned out that this poor child was basically being trafficked. Mm -hmm. um, and um, long story short, she uh, we contacted the Rock Hill Police, which contacted the federal government. And she is in a better place. This happened about five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, last I remember, she was living with a, a family um, in another county and doing really well and thriving. But, um, you know, she was a victim of sex trafficking, uh, something that you really wouldn't think of that could happen. But it couldn't happen in any town, anywhere. Um, and that's something that really stays with me because... Um, if, you know, I think it was God or some sort of intervention um, that kind of brought it into my lap, but that's the kind of stories that make me want to come back to work and, and help the community and help folks. Do you often keep in touch with past clients that you've been able to help before? I, I leave it up to the client. So if I see someone on the street, I, I won't engage with them. I, I like for them to feel that, you know, if they came in for help, that um, they can be anonymous, and if they want to approach me and say hello, or you know, and I do have clients who I've seen thrive. I've seen uh, one in particular who was a DACA recipient, and we helped get her DACA, who is now um, a branch manager at a local bank. Wow. And so I met her when she was, I want to say, and finishing up middle school. And she just uh, called me about a couple of months ago to tell me she was buying her first home. And so she bought, she's a home, local homeowner here in Rock Hill. So she went from her immigrant story, um, from becoming a DACA recipient, to going to school, to um, buying her home, becoming a branch manager. Yeah, so there's some great stories and some clients who always uh, reach out and just let me know how they're doing and, and it makes me really happy to see them succeeding and thriving and contributing to what makes Rock Hill great. So what are some of the common barriers that your clients face in mm -hmm. uh, achieving whatever they're trying to achieve? I think um, basics would be uh, language barriers, um, 
access to in things that I think every human being has, you know, they need to succeed. Access to, uh, you know, shelter, uh, food, and uh, for a lot of folks, um, healthcare. So those are the basics, and you know what we could do is help folks access resources that can uh, help them become stable, and that stability offers them an opportunity to thrive in the community and to contribute. Um, so, and then for a lot of folks, obviously, it's going to be the language issue, um, and that it, it doesn't matter if they're coming in because I have people that are coming in from different parts of Eastern Europe. I have a lot of Lithuanian clients that come in people from different parts of Asia, Latin America. So, you know, we encourage them to go to adult ESL classes and we have a lot of referrals and a lot of programs that we work with that uh, help get people up to date on their conversational English because, you know, language and communication is power. And what what I do is because I can't hold everyone hand at all times is one of the first things I tell them when I first meet I will help you and I will get you in touch with all these resources but it's up to you to become your own advocate I'm going to give you the tools to learn how to find resources how to use those to better your situation your family situation um, but uh, I want you to be as self-sufficient as possible and so teaching people to be their own advocate is I think the way to help folks and um, even though it's called the International Center, I will say this. So at this point, about f maybe 50 to 55 percent of my clients are international. The rest are, you know, Caucasian and African-American folks who are, you know, everyday Americans who live here in Rock Hill, who reach out to me through word of mouth. I get so many referrals from I work. One of my best partners is uh, the Rock Hill Schools District 3, um, and the other school districts in, in York County. I get you know emails and, and uh, phone calls from teachers, from educators, from different departments um, in the school system uh, to, you know, if they're stumped and they need to access resources. Um, in the last two weeks, uh, all my referrals from like, let's say Rock Hill schools, not one person has been international. Mm -hmm. They've been, you know, either African-American families or Caucasian families mm -hmm. who are suffering through, um, you know, they might be facing eviction. Uh, you know, their utilities have been cut off. Uh, child needs school uniforms. And um, I'm able to uh, get them in contact with different agencies and whatnot to, to help them out. And I, I'm maybe assuming the you know pandemic has kind of maybe you've seen a rise in that oh yes big time you know i we do as an employee all of us we here at the city we are uh, annual evaluation and we do reports and i keep my numbers and track everything and um compared to you know the previous fiscal year my referrals i want to say almost doubled Wow. Uh, yeah, and 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 that even when I was working from home for a couple of months, you know, the calls were just yeah. and coming in for assistance. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, we were able to help everyone and, and get them connected to the services that they needed. Um, and the city itself, through programming like the Unite program, was able to help right. so many people. Um, so it's a great opportunity. It, I have the kind of job where I get to go home 
and feel really good about what I'm doing in the community and that it's across the board from the nonprofit work to the work that I'm doing in the neighborhoods and helping folks connect to services here in the city, whether they have a sanitation issue or, um, you know, there's someone speeding on their street and then I could contact um, Officer Rowe here at the city who works with, um, you know, those types of issues and get speed trailers out and try to um, uh, different, you know, calming uh, efforts for speeding and and just helping people live, you know, a quality life here in Rock Hill. Seems very rewarding. It is very rewarding, it, yeah. It, it does sound like it's a lot of heavy stuff, though, that you deal with. How, how are you able to process that to, you know, so you can get up the next day and do it again? Well, I'm really lucky. So, um, and I, I, it's going to sound cheesy, but it's really not. Um, I have a work family. Um, the people I work with are phenomenal. Um, my supervisor, Jason Weil, he is probably one of the calmest, <laughs> nicest people you will ever meet. Um, it's a pleasure to work with him. My coworkers, Elaine, Doreen, and Artie. Um, if I'm having a bad day, we could just talk. We'll laugh. Um, we can bounce ideas off each other. They offer great insight and support. So it, it really is, you know, I, I have a team behind me that makes me able to go out there and, and help folks. Um, and they offer a great support and our director does the same thing, Melanie Brandon. So um, when you have that support built into your job, it makes it so much easier to get up work every- environment goes a long way. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it, makes it, it makes it so that uh, sometimes you're like, oh my God, it's already five. Right. Because um, uh, your day is busy, but it's a healthy busy, yeah. Um, are referrals the main way that you get the word out or what are some other ways that somebody might come across this benefit? Uh, so uh, I would say the majority of everything is right now referrals. We've, we haven't had to advertise in years and do that kind of thing just because we do get so much word of mouth through a sister agency, partner agencies, okay. United Way, and different agencies that will send people our way. Um, right now, our our website is down because we're working on it, and we're working with a, a volunteer designer that's helping us um, rebrand our, you know, Safe Kids and uh, the International Center. So we hope to have that up sometime in September. Crossing mm -hmm. my fingers, um, and that's one way they could access our information. But uh, you know, word of mouth. Um, if anyone that's listening needs to wants to either volunteer um, to become a car seat technician or has language skills that they want to volunteer um, they could contact me here at the city um, okay. and I'll be happy to work with them yeah. now so would you agree that maybe this job that started with the ICYC and as the Hispanic liaison has just grown into something bigger now where you can serve the the entire community and not just a specific sector that's exactly what's happened so my current title is community outreach uh, coordinator and that's what i really do i'm i'm going out into the community connecting folks to services um i also work as the ready coordinator which is resource education and development initiative uh, so we go into different neighborhoods in rock hill we've gone into catawba terrace right now we're working with sunset park the person that's over the sunset park uh, part of that program and a neighborhood representative is my colleague doreen bowler so i'm working hand in hand with her uh, to get in resources and and help that community as you know in different ways um, but definitely, you know, the work that we do, that I do in particular, is for 
Rock Hill. It's for all residents, immigrant, non-immigrant, native, non-native. Um, and, uh, you know, Rock Hill is growing in leaps and bounds. It's kind of rare to find a, a native yeah. Rock Hillian. Um, <laughs> so, you know, people are coming from all different parts of the country. Um, they're drawn by our growth, by our opportunity, by the quality of life here, um, by the friendliness of the, you know, the folks that live here. Um, it, it's, it's natural for people wanting to relocate. You know, people come and they we have so much to offer as far as like, you know, sports tourism and great, you know, education and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we're open to any and all. And um, I'm happy to be able to service a community and uh, be a part of helping it grow. Yeah. You mentioned your partnership with Rock Hill School District 3. Are there any other partnerships that? Yeah, I mean, uh, we work um, with uh, Winthrop University, uh, uh, different school districts, uh, United Way, uh, any agency out there, pretty much nonprofit agency that needs assistance, um, you know, I've worked with or have a hand in working with them. Um, uh, you know, I, a lot of the referrals that I'm doing uh, outward are to these agencies that are actually pro- providing the actual service. Mm-hmm. So my job is really to relationship build with them so that when uh, I do have, you know, referrals. I, I'm not one that will say, okay, this is where you need to go. Here's a number. No, I don't do that. I like to contact my, you know, person at any particular agency and say, hey, I'm sending so-and-so over. This is their issue. Um, this is what they need. Uh, are you able to service them? Because one of the things that frustrates me is sometimes when someone comes to me, they've been bounced around to like 10 different places they're at their wits end, they are desperate, they feel unheard. Mm -hmm. And my goal is that they feel that they have been heard, number one. And sometimes, even if I'm not able to do something for them, if I'm able to sit with them, hear their story, um, just give them a moment and show them some humanity, it goes a long way. So my goal is always to have that human contact with someone, even if it's on the phone or via Zoom, as it mm-hmm. is lately right. um, and just to make sure that people are being heard and that's I'd say a, a huge part of my job and then that way we could offer the services they need and connect now I know it's down right now but w- what is the website where people can go to find more information yeah it's www.icycsc.org and is there anything that we missed here that you'd like to add you know um you guys asked a lot of good questions. Uh, I hope I've answered them in a Absolutely. coherent fashion. I'm not used <laughs> yes. to radio interviews um, or, uh, you know, podcast interviews. But, um, you know, uh, if people, again, out there know of anyone who needs assistance or, you know, needs anything, um, please reach out and we're, we're happy to help. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, you did a great job. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much. As it appears, you're so busy. Um, but thank you so much, not only for your time today, but all that you do in the community. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That's great. I hope so.